This is why I tell you not to worry about everyday life. This is Jesus talking. Whether you have enough food and drink or enough clothes to wear. Isn't life more than food and your body more than clothing? Look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns for your heavenly father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable to him than they are? Can all your worries add a single moment to your life? And why worry about your clothing? Look at the lilies of the field and how they grow. They don't work or make their clothing, yet Solomon in all his glory was not dressed as beautifully as they are. And if God cares so wonderfully for wildflowers that are here today and thrown into the fire tomorrow, he will certainly care for you. Why do you have so little faith? So don't worry about these things saying, what will we eat or what will we drink? What will we wear? These things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly father already knows all of your needs. Seek the kingdom of God above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. I want to read the last couple of verses again. These things, these worries about food and clothing and everyday life, they dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. It's a slavery. It's a bondage. It dominates the thoughts of unbelievers. But your heavenly Father already knows all your needs. Seek his kingdom above all else and live righteously and he will give you everything you need. Jesus, thank you that you are the king who cares for us. And Lord, thank you that when we live in your kingdom, we are set free from the worries and cares of the world around us that have dominated us for so long. And we can walk in freedom knowing that you're a good God and you're a good father and you have good things for your children and for your people. Lord, use me today to communicate the truth of your word. And Lord, open our ears and our heart to hear the word and be transformed by the word today. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. You can be seated this morning. We're in this series. I don't know how long we're going to go. We're going to go until I run out of things that Jesus said. (laughs) Jesus said it. I just think we got to go back to what did Jesus say? And, and, And I don't have a very complex message today. I I don't have a whole, because I think the scripture kind of speaks for itself here. But what I want to get across to you this morning is the king cares. The king cares. Jesus, King Jesus, the Bible says that when he was crucified and then resurrected, he ascended into heaven and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is king and everything has been put under his feet. Amen. And so the king, I'm talking about the king, not now. I know in the news lately, we've been reading and hearing about there's a new king over across the pond. I'm talking. That's not a real king. I'm talking about the king, the king who created the universe, the king who died for you, the king whose blood washed you and cleansed you and set you free from sin, the king who saw you and uh Uh, on on your way to hell in a handbasket, but reached down and snatched you up out of the fire and rescued you. That king cares 
for you. He cares for you. And notice I said he, he doesn't just care about you. He cares for you. And there's a difference there. There's a subtle difference, but if you catch it, you'll know. If I tell you, oh, uh, uh, sister so-and-so, she, she cares about orphans. Okay, that's, she, her heart goes out to orphans, and she cares about their needs, and she cares. But if I say, sister so-and-so cares for orphans, that means something different, doesn't it? That means that she has brought them into her home, and that she's feeding them, and she's clothing them, and she's nurturing them, and she's providing for them. So she's gone from just caring about, oh, that's sweet, they need some help, to I'm going to care for them. That's a big difference. And so the king cares not just about you, the king cares for you. He provides for you. He provides your needs for you. He, he nurtures you. He clothes you. He feeds you. He takes care of you. That's what it means when it says that the, the when Jesus says, I care for you. I, I have care for you. I will care for you. He cares for all people. Why? Because all people are created in his image. I want you to think of the most dirty, rottenest sinner you could possibly think of that you know. Somebody that, man, when they are walking across the street, you cross to the other side of the street because you just rather not talk to them, you'd rather not deal with them. Listen, the king created that person in his image and in his likeness, and he cares for that person. Think about who the media would try to put in front of us and, and say that the, those people, they're different, they're other, they're, they're criminals, they are evil, they're, they're doing wrong, and, and whatever image they might put up. And isn't it funny that usually their skin's a little darker than everybody else's? He cares because they're created in his image and in his likeness. So he cares for all people. He cares for all. All people, all people, not just the people we care for. He cares for all people. He cares for the innocent. He cares for the innocent. He, he told the, in the scriptures, he said, he warned adults not to bring sin or to bring harm into the lives of innocent children. And he even said this, show that scripture that's next. He said, if uh, one of you causes little ones, who talking about children, who trust in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to have a large millstone tied around your neck and be drowned in the depths of the sea. I don't know if y'all have ever seen a real millstone. Anyone ever been to an old-fashioned grist mill? We used to have one in the town next to where I grew up, and, and, and I remember it was old-fashioned, the big, I mean, the stone was probably from here to over here. I mean, a huge granite rock, and they would grind the, the cornmeal to make, the, the corn to make cornmeal under that rock, and we could watch it go. And Jesus is saying, think about a granite rock from here to here, and he says, if you bring harm, if you bring sin into the lives of one of these little ones, into one of these children, it would be better for you to get a chain, wrap, tie that thing around your neck, and go jump in the sea than have to stand before me. Because God cares for the innocent. He cares for children. He cares for the unborn. He cares for those who don't have a voice to advocate for themselves. He cares. One of the reasons why last week I told you about accountability software for your devices and for your phones and for your children is because if you put a device in your child's hand 
and you don't make sure that your child is safe from something that could introduce sin into their lives, then this scripture applies to you and me. That's that's heavy. That's heavy. If I put something in my daughter's hands that could bring in harm into her or sin, then this is the scripture he's talking about for me. It would be better for me to put a millstone around my neck and go jump into the ocean. That puts a weight on it, doesn't it? That changes our perspective a little bit. If you want that software, you can go get it today. Don't let it go any further in your life or in your household. He cares for the innocent. Listen, he cares for the guilty. He cares for the guilty. He cares for those who dug the hole that they got themselves trapped into. He cares for those that it's their fault they were there. He cares for those that have so messed it up that there's, in the natural it seems that there's no hope for them. He cares for the ones that have been sentenced to prison. He cares for the ones who've been sentenced to death row. He cares for the ones that have done the most awful things that we could imagine. He cares for the guilty. I'll prove it to you. When Jesus was hanging on the cross, there was a man to his side who was guilty as charged, was guilty under the penalty of death. He had committed the crime. He dug the hole. But Jesus looked over to him. The man cried out for mercy to Jesus. And Jesus said, I assure you that today you will be with me in paradise. Because Jesus, even though the man was guilty, isn't it interesting when the man said, would you have mercy on me and remember me when you come into your kingdom? Jesus didn't say, well, let's talk about what you did first. Jesus didn't say, well, let's, you know, when you uh, when you've suffered enough on this cross, then then I'll have some mercy on you. When you've gone and repaid your debt, then I'll have some mercy on you. When I all it took was just one cry for mercy. And Jesus said, today you shall be with me in paradise. He even cares for the guilty. Guess what? That's good news because the Bible says that all of us are guilty as charged, that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that there is none righteous, no, not one. So I'm in that category. I'm glad he cares for the guilty this morning. How about you? He cares for the sick. In Matthew chapter 9, Jesus has just finished preaching the Sermon on the Mount. And he's developed a a large gathering of people. And wherever he goes, people tend to come and find him. And and it's funny that usually the crowds... I I tell this to people. I I don't necessarily... Me and Katie have this this, uh, uh, understanding that we share this in our home. And present company accepted, okay? I attract weird. Like... (laughs) It's just like weird and dysfunction seems to come my way. You know, like there's just people, messed up people tend to show up in my life. Not y'all, other people. But, but it's, it's so fun. Like, can we just not get some normal people every now and then? Like that's kind of, but Jesus was like that too. He attracted people who had problems. And so all these large crowds of people are following him, and most of them are sick. And most of them are crippled, and most of them are blind, and most of them are deaf, and they have all these health issues. And in Matthew chapter 9, the Bible says Jesus healed every single last one of them. He healed every single last one of them, and he says he was moved to compassion. Moved to compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
See, sometimes when we're so lost and dysfunctional, we just don't even know where to go. And we're just kind of wandering through. You know those people that just seems like they go from job to job and they go from boyfriend to boyfriend and they go from home to home and they go from place to place and they're just wandering aimlessly through life. Jesus has compassion on those people. And then a lot of times those people, oftentimes they kind of, maybe they're sick, maybe they've got some mental health issues, maybe they've got some relationship issues and Jesus is moved to compassion and he every single last one of them. See, now, if it was me, if it was you, you and I would probably say, well, do they really deserve to be healed because look at their lifestyle? Well, do they really deserve to be healed because look at what they've been eating and look how they've been treating their body. Jesus, do you think they are out of all the people that could be healed? Should you really heal that one? Because, you know, all those health problems are because of their past life and drugs and addiction and all that kind of stuff. That's their fault, Jesus. Should you really heal them? Jesus didn't ask how'd you get sick. He didn't ask who'd you sleep with to get sick. He didn't say what'd you do to get sick. He just healed them because he cares. The king cares. He cares for the sick. He cares for the outcast. He cares for the unpopular. He cares for the weak. He cares for those that aren't welcome. In the scriptures, it says that when lepers would come to Jesus, in particular, there's one leper that came to Jesus crawling on his knees in Mark chapter 1, looking for Jesus to heal him. Lepers were considered dirty. They were considered outcasts. They were extremely contagious. They were required to never come near other people. If a leper had to go into town, he had to carry a bell with him and shout out loud as he went, unclean, 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 so that the rest of the town would know if he's coming you better give him a wide berth because you don't want to catch what he might have and so they were out they weren't allowed to live in their own homes with their own families they weren't allowed to go to church with their families they weren't allowed to work a normal job because everyone was so scared of what was what might be on them might get on me and they were completely outcast but when this man comes to Jesus it says Jesus was moved with compassion and he reached out and touched him he touched the one that nobody else would touch he reached out to the one that that nobody else would reach. He looked for to help someone that no one else was willing to help. When everybody else scattered like cockroaches, when this man came, Jesus moved toward him because Jesus cares. The king cares for the outcasts. He even cares for the wealthy and the powerful. This is the temptation, is to become such a victim and have such a victim mentality that you hate anyone that anything's going well for. And this is the temptation that Jesus dealt with in the scriptures as well. The Jewish people, the, the, the people of Israel who had been living under occupation from the Roman Empire, they've been in slavery and occupation for hundreds of years, and they've, they've just had setback after setback, and they had developed this bitterness toward people, especially Romans, where things were going well for them. And they even hatred toward them. And so Jesus, he'll say, yeah, I can care for the weak. I can care for the sick. I can care for the poor. I can care for the guilty. I can care for the innocent. But guess what? I also care for the wealthy and the powerful. 
So that when a Roman centurion comes to Jesus, a man who is used to authority, a man who makes a good living, a man who has a lot of status in the community, a man who uh, can have anything he wants and do anything he wants. But this man ran into a problem where one of his favored servants had grown sick and it was a sickness unto death and that there was only so much that money and power could do to help this servant. So the Roman centurion, who was a different religion, a different culture, a different background, came to Jesus and said, Jesus, would you help me? The doctors can't help me anymore. My money can't help me anymore. My position can't help me anymore. But Jesus, I've heard that you can heal diseases. And so he comes to Jesus and he just said, and so Jesus says, okay, let's go to your house. We'll go see your servant. And the man says, no, I know you're a busy man. And he said, and I I understand authority. And he said, and if I say something, even if they're not there, when they hear word, I said it, they obey me. And so he said, you don't have to come to my house because you have enough authority that if you'll just speak the word, my servant will be healed. And Jesus, again, moved to compassion and marveling at the faith of this Roman centurion. He says, go and it shall be done as you have said. And when the Roman centurion comes home, his servant had been healed the very hour that Jesus spoke those words. Because Jesus even cares for the wealthy and powerful because guess what? Wealth and power only get you so far. He knows that wealth and power, they can do a lot of things. And I pray that the Lord would bless you and the Lord would give you position and he would give you authority and he would bless your business and he would bless your family. But when it comes down to it, there's some things all the riches of the world can't fix. You still need Jesus. I'm so thankful that he cares. The king cares. The king cares for your farm. The king cares for your backslidden daughter. The king cares for your wayward son. The king cares for the pain in your feet and in your knees this morning. The king cares for the cataracts in your eyes. The king cares for the surgery that you're facing. The king cares for you and that bill that came in the mail this week. The king cares for you in that argument you had with your spouse yesterday. He cares for you in the tears that you shed on your pillow last night. He cares for you in your deepest desires. He cares for you in your darkest secrets. He cares for you when you stop caring for yourself. He cares for you when you feel unworthy and unwanted. He cares for you when you feel alone and abandoned. He cares for you when you don't care anything about him. He cares for you even when you're rebelling and living in sin and disobedience. He cares for you when you cry out to him in your time of need. He cares for you when you don't think he should care. He cares for those you don't think he should care that much about. He cares about things you don't think are as important to him. The king cares. I just, the, this is my whole message, y'all. Just the king cares. Whatever you came in caring about, he's here and he cares for. He cares. The same power 
that holds the earth in suspension in outer space. The same power that spoke and light came out of darkness. The same power that spoke and oceans filled with water and dry land rose up. The same power that hangs us in the universe today. That same power cares for you. He cares for your needs. He cares for your family. He cares for your mind. He cares for your health. He cares for your pain. He cares for your future. He cares for your finances. He cares for your marriage. He cares for your children. The king cares. And listen, it is a lie of Satan that God doesn't care about you and doesn't care for you. It is a satanic lie that comes in and says you're not worthy of God caring about you, that your problem is too small for God to care about, that you've gone too far from God, that there's not enough you could do to please God, that there's no hope for you, that God doesn't hear your prayers, that God doesn't care about your needs, and you know you have thought those things and you have wondered about those things, and see, the devil will try to get you to doubt and to fear and to worry about whether God cares for you because he knows if you would just turn your eyes toward Jesus, you would figure out he cares for you more than you care for yourself. And so he will do everything he can to keep you and inhibit you from coming to the Lord with your need and with your cares. And he'll come in a whisper of a deceitful lie to get you convinced that if you were to call on God for help, that you would only be met with the turned face and closed arms by an angry God and uncaring, a distant God. But that is a lie. That is not the heart of God. Jesus put it this way in John chapter 10, verse 9. He said, I am the door. Jesus, I am the door. I, anyone enters by me, he will be saved. And he will go in and he will find pasture. That means that when I go in the door, I will find everything I need. I'll find the green pastures. I'll find the still cool waters. I'll find the shepherd who cares for me in my sickness. He says, the thief comes only to steal and to kill and destroy, but I have come that they may have life and have it abundantly. I am the good shepherd, and a good shepherd lays down his life life for his sheep. Listen, the devil will try to tell you, you can't go through that door. The devil will try to tell you that door's not for you. The devil will try to tell you that door's locked to people like you. You're not, a, you're not able to access that door. But Jesus said, nobody gets to tell me who I let in because I'm the door. And if you want into my pasture, if you want into my clear, cool waters, if you want into my care, if you want into my concern, all you have to do is step through the door and I'm here. And the thief, he'll try to come in and he'll try to steal and he'll try to kill and he'll try to destroy, but I'm a good shepherd that when the thief comes, I'll die before I let him get you. The king cares for you. Listen, I think, you know, I'm looking around the room. I know most of us, we, you've been in church before and, 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 if, and you know the story. You know that here in a few months, we're going to celebrate the birth of the Lord Jesus Christ, God in the flesh, that he descended from his place of privilege on high as king of heaven, and he became a man, and he became sin, he who knew no sin, so that we might become the righteousness of God. He lived a perfect, sinless life. He, he died a criminal's death, even as an innocent man, a torturous, uh, awful death, and then he was in the grave for multiple days, and then he came up and he rose in glory, and now he is seated forever at the right hand of the Father, forever making intercession for you and me. We know that. Listen, if he would do all of that for you, 
if he would give up heaven for you, die a death he didn't deserve for you, bleed blood that you didn't deserve and that you didn't earn, if he would do all of that for you, what makes you think he stopped caring the moment he stopped bleeding? He still cares. And he doesn't just care about whether you're going to make it to heaven. He cares about your life right now. He cares about what you care about. He cares about what's on your heart this morning. He cares about what you brought in and the weight you carried in this morning. He cares about your problems. He cares. And you say, well, well, doesn't God have bigger things to worry about? God is not limited by your idea of what's too big and what's too small. He can care for you and he can care for an orphan in some third world country at the same time. And it doesn't waste any resources for God to deal with both problems at the same time. He cares. The king cares. Last thing I want to say, and I don't have much more. Kingdom living is the cure for worry, anxiety, and fear. Kingdom living. So the king cares, but you have to live under the king if you want to see some freedom from some of these things that have been holding you back. Look at this. I'm going to read again in Matthew chapter 6, verse 31. Don't worry about these things. Don't worry. And that's easier said than done sometimes, isn't it? But Jesus is saying, don't worry about these things, whether you'll eat, whether you'll drink, how much money you've got in the bank. Uh, you know, is it going to rain next week or is it not going to rain next week? Is the paycheck going to come in? Is what bill is? Don't worry about that stuff. Listen to this. Don't worry what we eat, what we drink, what we wear. Those things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers. Let me, I want to be careful here, but I want to maybe just push a little bit on this. If those types of things are consuming your mind, if they're consuming and dominating, I'm not saying you ever have a question. I'm talking about you've been dominated by these kinds of worries and fears. Jesus says that's how an unbeliever thinks. That's how somebody who isn't saved thinks. I'm not saying, listen, we have questions, we have conversation. Every couple of weeks, Pastor Katie, she keeps up with our finances because if, if I did, we would be broke. And so she keeps up with our finances and she has this little notebook. And she brings out the notebook every couple of weeks and she looks at, okay, how much money came in, how much money came out, what bills are coming up, what things. And y'all, I get nervous every time the book comes out because <laughs> every time I go, I try to go hide when I see her pull out that book because I know she's going to look at the bank account and like, where'd you go? What'd you spend this on? And what was this for? And not that she ever gets on to me. She just needs to know. But I always get nervous like I'm on trial or something. She is, that's not her, that's me. But it's like, I, you know, and sometimes I don't remember like, oh, well, yeah, I guess I did spend that $15 at Starbucks. I don't know. And, and you know, the, those kinds of questions. But so we have those conversations of this bill is coming up. So we've got to be careful about this. I'm not talking about wisdom. I'm talking about worry. I'm talking about where it's dominated your life and it's dominated your thinking and you're living in fear and you're living in anxiety and you can't ever turn it off and you're, you're so dominated by it. Listen, that is the mind of an unbeliever. Because if you're a believer, you know you've been bought with the price that he has paid for your life with his very own blood and he would not pay for something and then let it rot away. And he would not pay for something and let it waste away if he, he cares for you. So he says, these things dominate the thoughts of unbelievers, but your heavenly father already knows all your needs. Miss Carol, he knows how many chickens you've got to raise this year already. Jeff, he knows how many bales of hay you've got to, you've got to put up this year. 
Lisa, he knows what your paycheck has got to be every, every couple of weeks from the, he already knows your needs. He knows the bills you don't know are coming yet. He knows the problems that you don't even see yet. He already knows all your needs. Watch this. Seek the kingdom of God above everything else and live righteously. And he will give you everything you need. What's that saying? Saying be wise. Do all you can. Work hard. The scripture is clear about that. Work hard. Do what you need to do. It says if you don't work, you don't eat. So you have to do your part. But it also says, y'all, it says every week there's Sabbath day of rest. Every week you submit a day that you could be working and trust the Lord with that. And he'll meet your needs. He says, give and it'll be given unto you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together and running over. Live generously. Seek the kingdom. Seek to live according to the king who cares for you. And if you'll do that, he will cover the rest. I can't explain it to you. I can't explain it to you how it works. And it's not just money, y'all. That's one. That's the thing that in our Western mind that's obsessed with money we first go to. But listen, you got problems in your marriage? Seek first the kingdom of God. Seek first his kingdom and start living righteously and he will provide all your needs in your marriage. You got problems with your kids? Seek first the kingdom of God. You got problem with, with, uh, with at work with a coworker? Seek first the kingdom of God. Start living righteously. He'll give you everything you need. You've got some mental turmoil or some emotional turmoil or wounds in your life and things that are going on that you need healed from. Seek first the kingdom of God. He'll give you everything you need. You've got a desire in your heart that you, you, you maybe it's you've been wanting to be able to start that business or maybe it's you've been wanting so desperately to find the one you want to marry and live a life with or you've been wanting so desperately a child but you haven't been able to have one yet. Listen, seek first the kingdom of God and he will give you everything you need because he already knows what you need. Seek him, seek him. He has it. If you have a need this morning, if you have a desire this morning, if you have a want this morning, if you have something you just need the, to, the Lord to deal with in your life this morning, he has it in his hand already. He already has what you need. Seek first the kingdom. Kingdom citizens need not be slaves to the forces of anxiety and worry and fear. I have to, I, I am prone to anxiety, fear, depression, those kind. I've just been prone to that for a while. And I remember there when Ainsley was first born, I couldn't hardly sleep, y'all. I kept, is she breathing? Is, is, you know, I mean, I could not sleep. I dealt with incredible fear that we would do something wrong or, or that, you know, she, she, she just wouldn't wake up. And I, I dealt with that. It was a, it was a struggle. You can ask Pastor Katie. She had to really help me through some things and help pray with me about some things. But I remember one day, Ainsley was a few months old, and, and I was, I, it was actually, I was driving in the car with her. She was in the car seat, and she fell asleep, and I went into a panic because she fell asleep, and I couldn't tell if she was breathing. I'm just being real with you. Can I be honest for a minute? I mean, I about came to pieces because I couldn't, I had to pull over, about came to pieces, and, and just, is she okay? She was fine. She's taking a nap. The Lord spoke to me and he said, if you'll trust me, and he said, if you'll seek my kingdom, he said, I'll take care of anything that ever comes against her. 
anything that ever comes against her body, anything that ever can come against her health, I'll get the victory over. You just got to trust me. And so now, even, even now, I still have to remind myself the Lord spoke that to me and gave me that promise. And even now when Ainsley is, you know, as a three or four-year-old now, and she'll go down to, to bed, and y'all have heard me tell, tell you this before, but she'll, usually it's just she doesn't want to go to bed, but she'll say, I'm scared. And usually it's just her excuse she doesn't want to go to bed. But I tell her, you don't have to be scared because this is what God promised me, and we pray every night he's going to put four angels at every corner of this room, and nothing's getting into this room that's not supposed to be here. And we pray that, and she knows it. And there's a seek first the kingdom. He's going to give me everything I need. If you're struggling with fear this morning or anxiety or worry, how, when am I going to get married? When am I going to have a baby? Uh, what, what's going to happen to my business? Am I going to have enough money at the end of the month? All, if you're str- the, the, the king is here today to let you know I got you in my hand. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first living for me and living righteously. I'll take care of all the rest. And it is amazing the testimonies that you hear when people just simply have that, that, that simple devotion to the king that the king takes care of you. When you just, simple devotion to the king. You know what? I'm going to do what the king says. Whatever this book says, I'm going to do what this book says. Whatever, whatever my church needs, I'm going to serve in my church and I'm going to do what I need to do. Whatever the Holy Spirit leads me to when I feel that prompting in my heart, I'm going to follow through and obey and do it. And you know what? God just takes care. And I have found that there's more than enough left over so that I can go and be more generous and I can do more and serve more and share more and keep expanding the kingdom. If you're a citizen of the kingdom this morning, I want you to know somebody more powerful and stronger than you is watching out for you. And he will take care of every fear and every worry and every anxiety because he loves you and he cares. One last scripture, 1 Peter chapter 5. Peter says, humble yourselves under the mighty hand and power of God. And at the right time, he will lift you up in honor. Give all your cares and worries to God, for he cares for you. Some of you need to write that scripture down and put it on your dashboard and put it on your mirror every morning. Give all your cares and worries to God because he cares about you. Stay alert. Watch out for our great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Stand firm against him and be strong in your faith. Remember that your family of believers, this church, people all around the world that are, that are serving the Lord just like you are, your family of believers are all going through the same kinds of things. That's the word to somebody this morning. You are not alone. You are not alone in your worry. You are not alone in your fears. If you've got a problem, there's someone somewhere that's got a worse problem than you have. You're not by yourself. You're not alone. Remember, all over the world, people are going through things. And in his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you've suffered a little while, every, no one's exempt from suffering. No one's exempt from bad things going on in your life. But after you've suffered for a little while, he will restore. He will support and 
strengthen you, and he will forever place you on a what? A firm foundation. Pastor Katie didn't know I was going to read that scripture. I didn't even remember I was going to read that scripture when we were singing the song. But all power to him forever. Amen. Cast your cares and your worries on him, for he cares for you. And after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, he will strengthen, he will support, and he will put your feet on a firm foundation. That is your promise. The devil will try to come in and he is seeking and he's roaring like a lion, looking for someone he can distract from the kingdom, looking for someone he can get to doubt the king, looking for someone he can get to abandon the kingdom. And he's saying, and he will tempt you and say, the king won't provide. The king won't care. The king doesn't do that. And the devil will try to, he, and he's loud sometimes and he seems ferocious sometimes and he will try to distract you from what God has for you. But but he says, you stand firm. You stand firm and don't take your cares to the devil and don't take your cares to the world and don't even take your cares to your boss or to your business or to your bank account or to your... You take your cares to God because he cares for you. And in due season, when you have suffered a little while, everyone will, but God will restore and God will support and God will strengthen you and put you on a firm foundation. Would you stand with me this morning? Thank you, Jesus. Hallelujah. I just sense that there is and believe that there is someone multiple in the room that you came in with cares and worries. If you did, that just means you're human and it's natural. It's just it's just part of life. That these things come. And there is some, you, the devil has told you, well, you don't you go up and pray for that because that's, that's too small. Don't, don't bother them to pray for that. That's a lie from the pit of hell. He cares for you. The Bible says he perfects those things that concern us. He cares about a stubbed toe and he cares about a broken heart. He cares about cancer. He cares about diabetes. He cares about addiction. He cares about an argument you had this morning. He cares about that fear you have. He just cares. He's like when you have a little girl and she's got a little splinter and she thinks she's dying because she's got a little splinter. And it's the end of the world because that that in her that is the worst pain in the world is that little splinter in her finger. Y'all, everybody's been there. It's raised a kid. When my little girl comes to me with a splinter, I don't say, "Oh, shut up, quit." I don't do that. Do I? Do you? Oh, you wrap her up. Oh, let me see that splinter and let me get it. Oh, that's a good one. We'll get it out. We'll, we'll take care of it. And then we kiss all over it and it feels better. And then she gets to go and run and play. That's how God deals with us. He loves you like that. If you could be that good to your kid, what makes you think God can't be that good to you? He just loves you. And he cares.